Welcome to Wisdom Talk Radio, a collaborative community of explorers in conscious living. What if you could recreate yourself and in turn have a whole new life? How would that look? What would be your first steps? What could it offer to you? Join me today with my special guests, Rasuli and Jesh Durax, for a conversation about wisdom, mystery, possibility, and who knows what else. I'm Laurie Seymour, host of Wisdom Talk Radio and CEO and founder of the Baca Institute. Head over there to discover your creative advantage by taking the Creative Innovator Quiz. Find out your personal creative innovator style so that you can open your creative flow and make everything in life easier. Now, this is for visionaries, innovators, company founders, product designers, anyone who feels like they have an idea but aren't sure what to do with it, aren't sure how to move forward with it, so that you can optimize your ability to create more and less time and enjoy every minute. So I have two guests today, as you probably gleaned from my opening. The first is Rasuli. Rasuli has been called a delight, a troublemaker, a legend, a messenger, a visionary, an author, and artist. And he's an incredible artist. But the description that endears him to those who know him is that of true friend of the heart. His pride is to introduce himself as a mystic drunk, oogler, and libertine. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> My other guest today is his dear friend, Jesh Durox. Jesh is a multidisciplinary creative and speaker who is interested in how the mind and body create feelings. He is the founder of Kindred, a modern form of meditation powered by movement, human connection, and mirror neurons. And as a meditation teacher, I'm certainly all very interested in all of that. <laughs> so welcome, Rasuli and Jesh. I am really looking forward to our conversation today. You know, we had a little bit of, uh, oh, shall we say, you know, the, the technical side of things, getting us all on and getting us all the way we needed to be. And it feels like this is an important conversation and we haven't even started. So welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us. Mm, my pleasure. So together you have a podcast called The Wisdom of Madness. And I was thinking, since this is Wisdom Talk Radio, I'd love to hear from each of you what, what your own sense of or experience of what wisdom is. Shall I start or you want to? Please, sir. <laughs> See, we have two ways of developing our being. One way is through the use of rational mind, thinking, education, learning, the whole process. And the other one is by experiencing things. These two are completely separate from each other. The one which deals with the mind and rationality is got philosophical base, is going to be rational, is going to be logical. And the whole science is, is like a the children of this philosophy. The other we're side, taught in school. 
Right, exactly. Or in life in general, anything mm -hmm. we learn, anything that we learn relates to that. It has to do with our rational thinking <laughs> because it's a knowledge. So we learn. Now, the other way is to experience things just like physical body, like doing exercises, sport. Same thing happens with our inner development as we experience things. As I experience, let's say, joy, and it feels good, I want to experience joy more. So I begin interested in experiencing it. The experience is what develops wisdom. <laughs> it's completely the opposite of knowledge. It's completely opposite. Knowledge has to do with your mind, your brain, your rationality. Wisdom has to do with what you experience, mm -hmm. what you deal with, what is the result of the things that you've done in your life. So that's mm -hmm. the Yes. Okay. That's a wonderful way to start us off. Thank you, Rasuli. Jesh, what, what is it for you? How do, would you speak to that? I think the difference between wisdom and knowledge is really fascinating because they're kind of, you can't hear me? It's a little, yeah, if you could speak, it's a little louder. The difference between wisdom and knowledge is very fascinating to me because they are often used kind of interchangeably, but there are clear distinctions between the two, particularly in the way that someone like Rasuli would be interested in them. And for me, when I think about the difference between the two, I think of knowledge as an inanimate thing and wisdom as an animate thing. So mm -hmm. is the, the life, the spirit, it's the, the movement. And so I think knowledge can have a value in the same way that like a hatchet can have a value. It's an inanimate object, but it will never change from the thing that it is. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a static it's a static thing. And wisdom on the other side is, as Rasuli is saying, uh, an experience that is constantly in motion, is, is vibrantly alive, you could say. And so I feel like wisdom actually kind of maybe has more to do with biology, mm -hmm. whereas knowledge has to do with almost like geography, you know, topography, the yeah. type of something that is, can be useful, but, but is static. And when we confuse the two things, we can get ourselves into a lot of trouble because you could find yourself, you know, kissing a mannequin, mm -hmm. um, which would have no benefit, uh, <laughs> no chance of creating a baby. And in that way, in that way, a lot of times we get really confused between wisdom and the knowledge and even a lot of things that are called spiritual practices and beliefs. Uh, through the years, sometimes maybe start as a vital, beautiful, alive wisdom, and then mm -hmm. can be solidified into these these kind of forms of knowledge that actually have to do with the past. They have to do with something that's long been dead. Well, if it's if it doesn't have the opportunity for evolution to evolve, to grow and change and become, then there's no opportunity for something else to be. Um, and it, it becomes information. Knowledge becomes information, something we can look up on Google. And well, right. 
there's nothing alive in it of an interchange. See, there's something that takes place in here, and that has to do with when the two get combined, when knowledge and wisdom come together. Let's say when I'm crossing a street, I've got to bring these two together. The times that I have read that you have to walk between the you know, lines and the times that I have experienced, I've seen people who got hit or have seen images of them. So that has become an experience. So we get this combined together, which means whatever has to do with our physical being has to deal with our knowledge. So whatever we learn, whatever we learn should be beneficial to our physical welfare, whether it is through development of our knowledge or, or the things that develops business for us or whatever it is. But for me to know the difference between, uh, let's say, yen versus uh, Deutschmark, and be knowledgeable of that, that I don't use it in my life. What's the use of it? Mm -hmm. The use of knowledge is when it's combined with wisdom and deals with our physical body. But that's just the skin. This is just for the development of the skin. But mm -hmm. we are not the skin. <laughs> We're that energy, that power, which is inside the skin. So this is where the madness comes into the picture. You see, when you recognize that I am inside of the skin, that means recognizing that I don't see things, I don't hear things. Mm -hmm. I have no knowledge of anything. I have no knowledge of anything. I am here, and whatever power has put me here, it's going to take care of me. Mm -hmm. So I've got to follow whatever that power is leading me, guiding me. That power leading you and guiding you is the madness mm -hmm. that, that develops that wisdom. It's the madness. As I do things, as I experience things, as we experience things, we become more aware of it. Mm -hmm. And it develops love and interest, or we ignore it. If it develops love and interest, we follow it. This is how wisdom of madness guides us. To have and why, why madness? Why madness? Why do you, you use that word? Because madness means not thinking rationally. Okay. A, a mad person is somebody who is not rational. Things just comes from within and pulls out. They, they often, my experience, because I have worked with people that have been labeled mad, um, they have too much coming in and they have no filters. They have no ability to, to create those uh, structures with which they can maybe function better in the world. And well, we, we, it's been said that the, you know, what, the, what is it? The, um, the mystic swims in the same water that the mad person drowns in. So it's, it's, it's that energy that we are receiving and that we are part of, but how do we, how do we relate with that capital, capital M mystery that is 
inherent in that? This is where the whole thing takes place to become a creative person. Mm. Because at that point, you're loaded, loaded with things, and then you become selective of what do I want to work on, what I want to mm -hmm. develop, what I want to develop. And this is where creativity comes into the picture. That's mm -hmm. what we call it wisdom of madness, while we talk all about creative power. Mm -hmm. Because creative power is the wisdom of madness. Mm. Taking over. Go ahead. Yes. For, for me, that term music can be, sorry, that term madness can be explored uh, in relation to Nietzsche's quote where he says, and those who were seen to be dancing were thought to be insane by those who could not hear the music. And mm -hmm. so for me, this, the madness that Rasuli is referring to is this music and music is quite a fascinating uh, example to use in this case because you can't see music. Mm -hmm. very you can feel it. You can only really feel it. Mm -hmm. There is a way to hear it that is mm -hmm. different from feeling the music. Mm -hmm. A person feels music, something really interesting happens with their body called entrainment where the mm -hmm. soul of your body starts uh, moving in sync mm -hmm. with it's coming out and people will tap their foot or they'll nod their head. Those are really fascinating that, that such a thing is even possible, that the body mm -hmm. responds so strongly to these energies that we can't even see. So this music that, that Nietzsche was referring to, I feel is the same thing that he's talking about with this divine intelligence or whatever you want to call it that's that makes us grow, that makes a leaf come out of, you know, a big, long, dark trunk or something. Mm -hmm. but, but it makes the clouds move through the sky and do the whole circle all over again. And this idea of being a mad person, I think, it is in relation to this idea of are you open enough to that music that you allow it to affect you to the degree that your choices are more about responding to that music mm -hmm. than they are to responding to what has become the accepted knowledge or truths of the world of, of mm -hmm. supposed to be or, or what you're supposed to do. And again, in that quote, Nietzsche's talking about that. He's like, hey, there's music out there. And when you really hear the music, you can't help but just be completely changed by it. But he's like, I've noticed something about this. <laughs> what I've noticed, <laughs> a lot of people don't hear the music. And so they look at me and they're like, what the heck is wrong with you? <laughs> You're doing some weird stuff and this is not how it's supposed to be done. And, and it's okay. It's, it is weird stuff. It's weird stuff within those constructs that have been passed down and that, that, um, and that are taught. And we're taught that that's what is. And the more I experience and understand and relate with energy and realize that the physicists are now, you know, demonstrating and teaching us what we've known all along, which some of us have known all along, which is that that energy is available and it's available to guide us and to nourish us and to 
inform us, but we have to be willing to allow it to, to use, you know, some of what you're saying to dance us. <laughs> One time I had a retreat where I had the uh, dancers and the painters together. Uh, that retreat for, was for both. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it was a three day. On the first day, I told them that from this moment on, during these times, we're going to make a shift. The dancers are going to be the painters. Mm -hmm. And the painters are going to be the dancers. Mm -hmm. Now, the same way as a dancer's feet and arms and body moves, I want the painters to move their brush on the canvas mm -hmm. in the space. And I want the dancers, as they're dancing, to paint on the mm -hmm. floor or in the wall or in their own mind. Mm -hmm. This change, this shift that took place, it was amazing for both sides. It was a whole new creative way. Mm -hmm. It was taken through complete mad madness. See, at that point, you, when you're in the middle of dancing and painting at the same time, that's when you lose yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The rationality fades away because it is just too much pressure to give it up and you surrender to it. And that's the step that we take towards creative process. By so it's not really losing yourself, though. You say it's losing yourself. I would say it's finding yourself. It's losing your rational thinking. Yes. That's what I mean. Yeah. It's losing your thinking your thought that little me mm -hmm. that's the one and you expand into that that place where you're in the moment and all you have is what's there in the moment and the the connection with the creative source right when you're in the madness you're dealing only with the present mm -hmm. madness has nothing to do with the past or with the future it's a irrational way of existing. It's mm -hmm. like, like perceiving things. It's and like so, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jesh, I was going to ask you, how do you mm. be with that, work with that? How do you bring that into what you do with the meditation work you do? Because I have a feeling it, there's, there's a lot of connection and overlap. A lot, yes. Through the years, I realized that it was a balancing of the two completely opposite things. As Rasuli says, the union of the opposites, that, that really is what creates the power. And you see that illustrated through all aspects of life. Mm -hmm. right? All the different cultures found that and they came up with different ways of explaining that. But it's the union of the opposites that ends up creating this circuit of movement. And I think, as I was mentioning before, in spiritual pursuits, which are almost entirely invisible, mm -hmm. you are going to be 
challenged to handle that entire thing uh, with rational thought because the rational and all of that, it has to do mostly with the things we can understand and measure and contain, which is certainly a part of the universe. But as we know now from science, as you're saying, most of the universe is dark matter. There's, mm -hmm. I'm reading a book right now where some, some incredibly brilliant scientists said we only understand 3% of the things that are in the universe. And even that seems like That's, That might be pushing it. <laughs> we only understand 3% of the things that we know about are in the universe, right. let alone anything else. So all that to say, even when well-intentioned people go upon something like a quote-unquote spiritual journey or want to practice meditation or something like that, because the, the momentum of the thoughts of the world are to see everything through the language of thought, Mm -hmm. Often people are leaning really heavily towards trying to understand spiritual concepts or, mm -hmm. or the right technique for a meditation and could potentially get all of that stuff exactly right and still somehow miss the boat. And yeah, how do you know you're on the boat? Because your body is alive and you're coursing with joy. And to exactly. me, that's the indicator. And Joy for me isn't even happiness. It's no, no. We could talk a little about that, but I'd love to hear because that's very true for me. Go ahead. Yeah, it's a feeling of being alive. So to me, mm -hmm. joy is the ability we have to perceive of joy is the constant compass of the body that says, Am I in the circuit or am I out of the circuit? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Spiritual practices or meditation, whatever, where there's not joy happening, for me, that's just the form of of it without connection to power of it. And so mm -hmm. I initially explored, you know, spiritual practices and meditation techniques of different kinds. And the way that it was told to me, I just personally couldn't end up connecting with. It was a lot of me trying to think about why I, it was so hard for me not to think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was honestly kind of boring for me, just me personally. So I have a lot of respect for the people who are very disciplined who can kind of make that happen in their brains, but mm. I couldn't. And where the real key came in for me was a couple of years ago through some really deep losses that I had and a lot of time spent alone. I ended up uh, discovering after 38 years that I had a body because mm. I didn't even know I had a body. My body wasn't carried around my brain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's how I thought of it. And, that's actually how a lot of people, you know, they do a similar thing where they really yes. kind of justify the body. And the only time they think of it are A, if it's hurting really bad, or B, if it's uh, not doing something that it used to do, mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. or comparing it to another body, usually negatively. Mm -hmm. Those are pretty much for most people, the only times they're even, even aware of their bodies. And that was certainly true for me. And so a couple of years ago through this experience, I was like, whoa, I have a body and mm -hmm. not the body um, kind of, you know, neat, actually glowingly mm -hmm. brilliant and, and beautiful. And even like in a lot of spiritual practice or religion and stuff throughout the years, the body is kind of talked about as this brute beast that has mm -hmm. to be rejected. And I think that is completely ridiculous because this brute beast is capable of creating 
an entire another body mm. out of grapes, anything which is pale mm-hmm. salads, and with no direction at all from our almighty <laughs> brains in terms of our conscious thought. That's how I talk about the breath in the same way is that, it, you know, if we had to direct the breath to do what it actually does, we would need a PhD in biochemistry. And, and even then we'd have to be always paying attention instead of realizing that the breath has, is, is that mystery and, and magic unto itself. And is that, that breath that keeps us alive and feeds our creativity and connects us with everything. And it only works when we follow madness. <laughs> if we decide that, you know, I'm not going to take the next breath. I just want to keep, you know. I want to hold on. Yeah, just hold down. And then that's what ruins that whole madness and mm. makes us a consumer of other people, what other people try to feed us. Mm-hmm. So, Rasuli, would you, how would you speak about the difference between um, joy and happiness? Uh, see, joy is a momentary thing. I can be joyful now, but I cannot joy in the past or in the future. Happiness deals with the past, now, and the future. Joy is only, only something that we need to have constantly. Without joy, we cannot have happiness. Joy is really the essence of Mm -hmm. happiness. And in order to have joy, there's going to be love in our life. Love is the result of seeing beauty. As we see beauty, as we look at things with a child's look, with an innocent look, we give in to that madness that we need to take over us, to lead us, to guide us to the unknown, especially now that we've had this uh, coronavirus. Mm-hmm. is teaching the, the greatest thing that is doing to us, which we haven't even thought about it, is that it's changing our life completely. It's a whole new life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At this point, we have two choices. Either create our own life or follow the life that is fed into us through whatever we experience. Wisdom of madness is what helps people Mm -hmm. create their life. And how do we deal with it? Because both Jesh and I come from experiencing extremes of life. My case from suicide to where I can save lives of people mm-hmm. and in Jesh from pain to joy. Mm-hmm. So we both have had, we have had experience of these two ends and we have learned how to go through this process, what works for us and what mm-hmm. And this is what we share with people through our discussion, which has nothing to do with anything that we think about. We just sit down and we start talking. Mm -hmm. And that becomes our routine conversation. 
and it's and the conversation is is probably nothing routine. Oh no, we never repeat. <laughs> if, if we did our conversation at the beginning, I asked Jesh about something, or he asked me about something, and the other one wants to respond, then we stop. Say wait, do it later when we're you know record. Uh <laughs> because we know that when we're recording, we're not going to talk that anymore. <laughs> I understand that. I definitely understand that. And, and I'm thinking for me about about joy and happiness because I always see happiness as that kind of ephemeral sort of thing, um, and and having to do more with emotion than spirit, really. For me, joy is a constant. And I, I, I think just you said something about, you know, when we are in that flow of joy, that is when we know we're connected. That is when we know we're, you know, we're on. And we don't have to wonder. We don't, we don't even think to wonder because we're just there with the flow of joy, which has as a corollary, I don't know if it's a corollary exactly. Um, you can't have the joy without the love. You know, the love yeah. and the joy for me are, I'm not sure where one ends and the other begins. See, that's where joy becomes temporary because love has to guide joy. Mm -hmm. Without love, you cannot have joy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If I'm, you know, if I hate somebody, how can I have joy in the middle of thinking of the person? Yeah, or judgment. Or judgment, exactly. Mm -hmm. Joy has to follow love. And love is really, love is really the guy. Love mm -hmm. is everything. Because once we see beauty, we begin to love beauty. Mm -hmm. And as we love beauty, we follow it. And we get all these clues that lead us to this incredible garden, which is called the paradise. And we mm -hmm. live we live in that paradise. We live with it only when we follow love. Love not for, uh, you know, not for a physical love. Love to have for everything. Mm -hmm. For everything that is around me. And this is what guides us into having the happiness in our lives. Mm -hmm. So how do you, you're both artists, true? True. How have you experienced love, the experience of love, the experience of joy as uh, informing, uh, creating your art? And you, you know, for me, I think of art as life, but it's all of the above. It's it's art as life. It's art as you know something you create on a canvas or you know on a dance floor or or or. See, I paint. I make love. 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 That's all there is. The moment that I am not making love with my canvas, I screw up. Mm -hmm. But only. When I'm making love with my canvas, is when I'm creating. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of those words 
because again, these words are, are thought concepts, they're mm-hmm. knowledge, they're reference, they're meant to point to certain experiences and they're valuable in that way, but they can also be very confusing for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Most seminal experiences of my childhood was coming up to this, this poet who was an older man when I met him. I was 16 and watched him enthrall this room with his stunning, wise madness. And I came up to him and I was like, how do you, how do you do that? And he looked at me really intensely and he was like, follow your heart. And I was like, I wrote it down in my, my journal I was carrying around at the time. And then I went back home so excited. But then I was looking at that and I was like, what does it mean? How do you do that? <laughs> so I think a lot of my life has been about trying to answer those questions. What, what do these things mean? And I think one of the reasons why, as you say, they all seem to connect. You know, life is art and art is movement and movement is life and life is love. And, and all of these things is because you can almost see all of these things describing different, almost like organs in the body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So of course, they're all connected to each other. And you can say, well, yes, because it's connected to this. And it's connected to this. And they all have different functions. Grace has a function. Beauty has a function. Wisdom has a function, madness has a function, love has a function, peace has a function. And all of these things together, working in, in harmony, just create God, you know, the, the bigness of everything mm-hmm. um, working together. And I think a lot of the other words that aren't those words are just describing various shades of distance that we have from that harmony between all of those different pieces. And mm-hmm. as I was referencing earlier, we, we get distracted a lot of the time by falling too far into one side or another. And having worked with people on a one-on-one basis for many years during creative training and stuff like that, I would notice that people would come to me at the beginning of the session and they would, the energy would be you know, low or, or dead. And by the end of the session, books would just be you know, whirling. And... One particular day when that happened four times in a row, I started thinking, <laughs> why, why is this? Because these people all have completely different problems, completely different situations. But at the end, we always end up at the exact same place. Mm-hmm. I, it was a foundational moment for me because I realized that if you are too much in the feminine energy, the circuit will be broken. If you are too much in the masculine energy, the circuit will be broken. Mm-hmm. And so this thought and feeling to me are another way of saying masculine and feminine. It's another way they're in chaos. Okay, yeah, because those are concepts too, right? Well, it's all describing that same thing, day and night. Mm -hmm. And so when those two things are in perfect balance, that's when you get this circuit. And so what I had learned was that when one of my clients came to me and they were too much in the feminine energy, I would come with the masculine and and supply whatever Mm -hmm. would reform that when they were too much of the masculine stuck on a certain idea and they didn't kind of force something to happen i would come in with the feminine i would come in with the chaos and the destruction to break down that idea so it's the flowing back and forth between all of those things to me that enables that that feeling and i don't think of joy as an emotion for me i think of joy as the experience you have when that circuit is connected. yes 
Yeah, for, I, I agree. Uh, joy is not an emotion. That's where I say happiness is more of an is an emotion for me. But joy is that energetic experience of of being in love with life, of being so alive that there isn't anything else. Yes, and to, to continue on what I was talking about earlier, uh, the body knows a lot mm -hmm. about joy. It knows a lot about joy. And how do we know that? Because babies know a lot about joy. Mm -hmm. Masters of joy. If their needs are met, they will just look at you beaming like a little Buddha or something <laughs> like that. Uh, little dogs know a lot about joy. You watch mm -hmm. a bird move through the sky. It knows about joy. So... Mm -hmm. Whatever it is that joy is, is, is not something that has to be taught. And that's, again, where we get into a lot of confusions around spiritual practices and mm -hmm. belief systems and stuff like that, because there are a benefit to beliefs, as Rasuli was, said, was saying. They, they help us stay alive, mm -hmm. help us to survive. But a life that is only about survival is, is a sad life indeed. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds like those are those are the things that we all work with. It is the people that want something more than survival. Well, the beauty of the whole thing is that it leads into art. Mm -hmm. Art is actually art was from the beginning it, as the idea of bringing together. Art was a verb. It was about bringing together to art was to bring together. And an artist is somebody who is capable of bringing together. Bringing together what? These two opposites that Jesh is talking about. The artist has got to be capable of developing that. In order to do it, they have to develop a rhythm. Any artist has to have a rhythm in order to develop that bring it together. You can't bring it together based on a certain rhythm. Mm -hmm. You can't put it out of rhythm. That rhythm begins to develop as a expression of the artist. Mm -hmm. So when we look at the artist's work, is that rhythm that guides us as to what it is, which is what Jesh is saying about the learning of how to bring these two together. Mm -hmm. And joy is what the artist can bring us by actually doing that. Mm -hmm. I think a, a really important key in all this, and part of the reason why this is such a mysterious topic, because art and, and spiritual insight has been around for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, and it's still pretty much exactly as mysterious. <laughs> as it it's Even still that mystery. It, it still is. And I think why that is, is because art is about not seeing what's there it's about seeing what's not there mm -hmm. because a lot of the time when we're too far into the masculine or too far into the feminine uh, either way we're usually so focused on the world that we're in that it's at the exclusion mm -hmm. of the one that that we we don't see mm -hmm. and when you look at discovery um and creating that circuit one of my favorite quotes is albert zinskiorski who discovered vitamin c he said discovery consists of looking at the same thing as everyone else, but seeing something different. Mm -hmm. so when you are in this place where there's a stuckness and you've got this eye lock view on it, to be able to rest your eyes away from that and see what you're not seeing, which inherently is the creative process, 
it's the venturing into the unknown. Mm-hmm. You put your attention, your life into the unknown, and the bridge that you already have with what you know now creates a circuit. And those exactly. two things come back. And yeah. while we have vitamin C, even though vitamin C was always there, we just didn't yeah. it was there. Because yeah. artists are people who spend time looking at things that you can't see. They're, they're looking in the opposite direction of everyone else. And that's mm-hmm. why they look mad to everybody because mm-hmm. it's madness to look at something that you can't see. That's the very definition of, of madness. And yet it is the prime function of mm-hmm. what, it, what it means to be creative. Yeah. And, 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 a creative, and a scientist now too. I mean, let's not, let's just expla- expand or blow open that idea of what being creative even means. Absolutely. Because it, it, to live a creative life is is that willingness to go into the unknown, just as what you're talking about so beautifully, Jesh. That's exactly what I was about to say is that Rasuli and I, why are we doing this? Why are we spending our time, you know, making something like this when there's so yeah. many other things that we could potentially be doing? Because we both share a deep mission for all of our differences. We are both wildly passionate about the, the true story that every single human on the planet has a destiny to be a powerful creative and in fact mm-hmm. often without them knowing it is already a powerful creative mm-hmm. they've created their friendships they've created their own thought patterns even though a lot of that was subconscious they create their dreams every single night they create their responses to to movies and books and films and all of that and just because the creation isn't turning out in a way that's obvious to everyone else doesn't mean that it doesn't take an enormous amount of imagination, mm-hmm. even, even something like money, which is a completely fictional. Mm-hmm. If you think money is real, you have an amazing imagination. <laughs> and that basically describes every single person on earth. Yeah. And you know, even, even in the morning, when you go to your closet to, Wear clothes. You're creating. Mm-hmm. You're putting it together. When you cross the street, you're creating. Everything as, as we're speaking, we're creating. We Absolutely. all. If you know, if we follow what the Old Testament says, if God created man in His own image, then the image of God is creativity. There's nothing mm-hmm. else. God doesn't have a saving account. Or you know, attending to a certain parties or cousin's birthday. God is only about creativity, and if we're in the image of God, we are here only to create. And this is what we do constantly. But somehow we feel like creativity is only for the artists. Exactly. Exactly. This is what keeps us away from finding our creative power, which is within us, to develop it. Yeah. Any of us could do so many great things if we realize that this is a power. It's a power that we have received. It's not a weakness. That's why I call myself a drunk. That's why mm. I'm an ogler. <laughs> I ogle. I ogle. Mm. I see things that ordinary eyes don't see. And this is what we need to begin to experience in life. 
especially now, especially, especially now. Not before, especially mm -hmm. now. The only solution is to experience that because we've got to build our life. Otherwise, the funny thing is, see, my age group, the people of my class are basically retired. Mm. And this coronavirus is not really making big difference in their life, and except that they have to watch out not to die. <laughs> watch out not to die. Yeah, which is not a, exactly a creative life stance. Exactly. So here, we don't really care about what's happening. Coronavirus is doing its own thing, and I don't want to listen to CNN or Fox News or anything. I just want to live. I'm sure that I'm not going to die. Now, the, the generation of my grandchildren, which would be a generation of up to through teenage, or even a little more than that, this generation is going to design everything based on the circumstances that is available right now. So all they do is get on the zone, do their things, and learn everything, and the grown-ups helping them to develop mm -hmm. better on them. So they're not worried about what's going on. Only a generation of Jesh, my children, are the ones who are in the middle of this whole coronavirus crisis. Mm -hmm. Because their life is being changed. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not just economy or health or any of that. I, I don't even see the, the need for hugging anymore as I used to. Mm -hmm. Short while, I'm getting used to not hugging. Mm -hmm. I mean, things are our whole life is going to be changed. Now it's time for us to build our life. Now is the time to build our mm -hmm. life. Not sit down and see what the president says or what yeah. you know scientists say or any of these. Build your life. I was an architect practicing architecture, and mm -hmm. then the revolution took place in Iran. Mm -hmm. And I had to be imprisoned in my house because you couldn't go out because of killing on the streets. Same thing as is happening now with us here. At that time, I was at home. I wasn't going to my office to practice architecture. Office was closed. Mm -hmm. I got a chance to begin to paint, paint and paint, and guess what happened? <laughs> Soon I said goodbye to architecture, mm -hmm. and I followed the love that had developed in me for painting. And, and that's why I'm so curious about that right now. It's like, what's going to happen for people if they are willing? I'm so passionate. It's the thing I'm most passionate about is people realizing that they are a creative life force and that what they choose to do is what they can become and what what they create and give to the world because the world is, needs things the, there's situations that need to be addressed and we can't do it in any of the old ways see the, the 20th century taught us self-realization we all became capable of knowing our capabilities that we never knew about it before because in the previous centuries we were only numbers. Mm -hmm. We were not even human beings. So we began to voice out and we became, we 
developed avant-garde movement and everything followed the individuality. So we got to know ourselves. Mm-hmm. She was all about self-realization. Now we're in 21st century and we have happened to find a way about self-creation. Now we're dealing with a century of self-creation. We have no other choice. We've got to create ourselves. Otherwise, others are going to create us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We go back to that story that I was telling about this definition of love and, um, you know, following your heart and, and all of that. What, what really kind of came for me after all of these years of really trying to understand what that meant mm-hmm. is to love someone is to respect their free will. That's the highest definition that I personally know. Mm-hmm. Of. And when that is put on yourself, that to love yourself would be to respect your free will. What that basically suggests is that this incredible creative ability that we have just because we have it doesn't mean that we're actually using it in a way that is in respect of, of mm-hmm. free will. People have created things that have enslaved many people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Horrible as that is on the macro scale, a lot of us are doing that every single day internally, mm-hmm. literally cre- using our creative energy to disempower ourselves, to yeah. ourselves to all kinds of, of horrible things that if they were out in the open, people would be so embarrassed and ashamed of to even, even be showing that the way that we treat our own bodies, our own minds, a lot of the times as humans is not in respect. Of Absolutely. We will that we have. So the, the message that Rasuli and I and you, it sounds like are all really deeply exploring is, is that there's a self-responsibility that really needs to rise. And it's the time for it to rise where people no longer think of themselves as these, these um, hogs in a wheel or mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. or separate inside, yeah, or these islands separate, but just to really understand that their life experience is, is <laughs> massively affected mm-hmm. by their own subconscious creations. Mm-hmm. Of, the way that they're seeing themselves and, and everything else. And to, to piece by piece reclaim that energy mm-hmm. and withdraw it from, from really everything. Mm-hmm. And then to make conscious decisions about, okay, I'm going to put some of myself here, some of myself here, and some of myself here to be a good steward of this incredible gift that has, has been uh, given to us. John Lennon famously saying, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Like, we've got these plans. And for most of us, the plans aren't even our own. The plans were mm-hmm. so commercials. The plans were planted into us by fear as children. The plans were slogans you know, that just mm-hmm. became ingrained into us. And he was like, that's not life. None of those things are life. Life is when you know that you're alive and when you know that you're making this decision and you're doing it on purpose mm-hmm. most of that is the feeling of, of joy and movement coursing through your entire body in such a way as radiates out and affects other people around you that is the gift of every single human and we know that for sure mm-hmm. because babies do that not <laughs> trying without meaning to they are radiant little beings 
that mm. it's not something you have to achieve. It's something you have to remember, it's something you have to learn to exhale enough to be able to receive. Mm -hmm. Just simply to receive and to express. Well, what you're yeah. saying reminds me of this morning's walk that I had. As I was walking down my street, is open, I can walk in the middle of the street. And I was looking, I saw there were like six maple trees that are lined. And they've been like about six or seven feet apart when they planted them. Now they've grown big. And I was looking at them as they've grown in there. The very first one has one side branches going around, but the other side that is tied with the other maple is halfway developed. Mm -hmm. So if you took the other maples out, you would see one side of it is fully developed. The other side is halfway developed. I looked at it and I thought, we as human do exact same thing mm -hmm. in our relationships with even our loved ones. We, on one side, we expand. On the other side, mm -hmm. we give limitations to, them, to whatever is around us. And I started thinking, how we can nicely design to just allow each one of the branches to build and give room to the other one to go along. And this is really that, again, bringing together that creative process that we could share with people as we experience and they could share with us as they experience. Mm -hmm. And that's what I value so much about our conversation now is, is that act of doing just that, of sharing and <clears throat> listening and creating. And, and I know that we could go on for a very long time. And I also know that we need to complete. Um, and so I'm, I'm so grateful for this opportunity to be with you both. And I hope that we'll get an opportunity to do this again because I feel like, um, kind of like we've just begun. And oh boy, this could, yeah, we, I, I, can, I have these pictures that are coming already of where this, can, where this could go. Um, yeah. So. Hafiz says, Whatever has no beginning will have no ending. Beautiful. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you for inviting us. Mm, my pleasure. And uh, if people want to connect with either of you, could you put on on the uh, recording your websites, perhaps, and they'll be in the show notes as well. But I would love for people to know where to to reach you. Uh, mine is rasuli.com. www.rasuli. R A S S O-U-L-I dot com. And there you can connect with me, send me email, find other connections that I have. Mm, wonderful. Thank you, Rasuli. Jesh, for you? Mine is also my name, Jesh Durox. And on there, you can find out about my projects and also the kindred meditation that you were, you were mm -hmm. which is about using 
your body and your mind together. <laughs> Great. I love it. Thank you both again, Jesh Durox and Rasuli, for being here. I really value what you have shared. Thank you. And thank you, our listeners, for being with us today at Wisdom Talk Radio. Join us here regularly. Come back each time for more wisdom, discovery, and illumination. Because you can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And um, if you've enjoyed listening today, leave us a review. Because that helps other people find the inspiration, the illumination, the wisdom, and to be able to transform the world. And for more about fast-tracking your ideas to creation and revenue, find me, Laurie Seymour, over at the BACA, that's B-A-C-A, institute.com. Thanks for joining us here at Wisdom Talk Radio. We wish you well in your conscious explorations. For more information and to join in the conversation, our website is wisdomtalkradio.com or at Wisdom Talk Radio on Facebook.